Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh. You're listening to my podcast. Thank you for joining me once again. We're going to jump right into the Word and continue teaching along the lines of what we have been teaching on. And we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and how He's a gift to the church. The Holy Ghost and the church. And you know the Holy Ghost and the church are supposed to have a relationship, a, a divine harmony and union between each other. Because, you know, the church that has received Jesus must receive his spirit and must accept his spirit. And much of the church has rejected the spirit of, of Almighty God. And they've rejected the, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, the Lord Jesus is endeavoring to get his church filled with his spirit. Not just within, but upon. And you know, the Holy Ghost is a gift. He is a gift to the church. You know, I could teach on a lot of other subjects. There are a lot of other subjects that I know and understand in the Bible. But the Lord keeps emphasizing this to me, this subject. Keeps uh, bringing this up to my in my spirit. And, and keeps dealing with me about teaching along these lines. Because it is so important in these last days. It's important that the body of Christ be filled with with the Spirit of God, be filled with the power of God, be filled with the anointing of God to go out and do the work of the Lord and to get ready for the move of God, the move of God that shall sweep and take place in these last days. And, you know, uh, the body of Christ being full of the Holy Ghost will be full of the the leading and the guidance that that heaven is bringing to the body of Christ. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you'll be aware of what heaven is doing. You'll be aware of the direction that heaven is going in. You'll be aware of what heaven is all about. Instead of instead of wandering and wandering and being wayward in the things of God. No, heaven is moving. Heaven is moving in a direction. Heaven is moving in a in a a specific direction. And it's and vital that we be in the right place at the right time. And I don't know of too many Christians that are in their God-ordained place and in the perfect will of God for their life that live without the Holy Ghost in His fullness, that are not filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. It is very difficult for you to reject the gift and still be used of God in the way that He wants you to be used. And so we need to continue to teach along these lines and to continue to emphasize the spirit-filled life because it's such a wonderful life. It's such a wonderful life. It's a life of power. It's a life of greater things, greater grace, greater anointing. And so anyways, we're going to teach along these lines again. And if you have your Bible say you can open to John chapter 14 and look at the 16th verse. This is our text for these lessons that we've been giving, our main text. And I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to pull them out, to get your pen and paper out, to get your highlighters out, whatever you need, because we're going to study the Word today. In John chapter 14, and looking at the 16th verse, Jesus said to the disciples, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. 
But you know him, Jesus said, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Something I want to emphasize and point out here. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, or in other words, I will pray unto the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice that the comforter was sent from the Father. And the scripture speaks on this and points this out over and over again, that the comforter has been sent, was sent from the Father, a gift from our Father God. If you look at the 14th chapter of the same opening and then the 26th verse John chapter 14 verse 26 Jesus said but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name notice John chapter 15 verse 26 but when the comforter is come whom the Father or whom I will send unto you from the Father notice from the Father. So Jesus said here, I will send unto you from the Father. Now look at John chapter 16. Look at the 13th verse. Howbeit when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, Jesus said, for he shall receive of mine, show it unto you. Notice verse 15. All things that the Father hath are mine. So you see over and over again, the Father is being emphasized here. And you can look back at other, we have other scriptures we could turn to. I'm just giving you a few, a few at the moment. But over and over again, the Father is actively involved and in, 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 involved with what is going on and what had taken place with the Holy Ghost. The Father sent him. He was sent from the Father. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father or unto the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice, give you another comforter. We're talking about how the Holy Ghost is a gift. Well, the Father gave us another comforter. Another comforter. Now, if you look up that word, another comforter, and study it out, look at different translations, you'll find that literally what it means what Jesus was saying is that it's one just like me so reading it that way i will pray the father he shall give you another comforter or one just like me now jesus emphasized that for a reason i always like to say that jesus doesn't say anything for no reason jesus doesn't say anything or the things that he says, he says for a reason, and they're important, and we ought to be paying attention to them and not overlooking them. Jesus said that the comforter that would come would be one just like me. Now, I'm sure when the disciples heard that, that they couldn't understand that. There were things that they couldn't receive at the time. There, Jesus said himself, there's many things that I want to say to you, but you're not able to bear them or receive them. But he also said, when the comforter has come, he will teach you all things. He'll show you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But at the time, the disciples probably didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And I think even today, there are a lot of people that they read these kind of scriptures and they don't really understand them. But Jesus said that the comforter, when he has come, he'll be just like me. One just like me. 
Hallelujah. Now I want to point out another scripture to you that reiterates this and um, further gives light on what Jesus was saying. John chapter 16, look at the 13th verse again. Or I'm sorry, look at the 7th verse. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I say, I tell you the truth, Jesus said. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Notice what Jesus is emphasizing here. He said, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you. For you. For you that I go away. Now, I want to point out the scripture there says expedient. That's a King James word. There's a footnote in my Bible which says advantageous, or in other words, to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Not come to you. But how could that be, Jesus? I mean, we would think in our minds that having the Son of God on the earth and be walking with him and talking with him and seeing him work miracles, that that would be the greatest thing. You know, the epistle of John, First John chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2, the scripture John spoke and wrote and said that we handled the word of life. We saw him. We looked on him. We heard his words. That which we've received, we declare unto you, he said. So they walked with him. They talked with him. They saw his work. They saw how wonderful, the wonderful things that he did. So how could it be better? How could it be to our advantage? How could it have been to the advantage of the disciples that Jesus go away? But Jesus clearly said that. So what is what was Jesus saying there? Well, he gives his answer. He explains it. He says, if I go not away, the comforter will not come. Well, going back to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. Well, what did he say about him? He's one just like me. So the Holy Ghost, or the comforter, is one just like the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus departed and went to sit at the right hand of God and make intercession for the saints, the Comforter was able to come, come to the earth and dwell within every single one of us. Not only be within us, but also to come upon us. Now, and Jesus said that is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. And Christians need to see it that way. That receiving the Holy Ghost, receiving the Spirit of God is an advantage unto me. It is an advantage unto me. It gives me an advantage in this life. You could look at it that way. It gives me an advantage in this life. It's like I got an edge over everybody else when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And it really is the honest truth. I mean, I've talked to so many Christians and their stories line up with my story. The moment I got filled with the Holy Ghost, it received a power that was beyond what I had before. 
I received a grace beyond what I had before. I received a joy that was be that was greater and more f- and uh, stronger than whatever I had before. The fullness of His joy, the fullness of everything that He is, and it really, really made an advantage in my life. And it, I know it's done that for so many people. Now, remember what the prophet said in Joel chapter two, verse twenty-eight. He said, "In the last days, saith the Spirit of God, I will pour." Saith God, "I will pour out my Spirit." Notice on all flesh. So one big advantage that Jesus was talking about, one advantage that Jesus was talking about when the Holy Ghost would come to the earth is that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. All flesh. The the prophet said, your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old men should dream dreams. Your young men should see visions. And upon my servants and handmaids in those days. In other words, from the least to the greatest, everyone can have the Spirit of God be poured out upon them. Now that is a huge advantage. Rather than just the Son of God being on the earth, walking on on the earth, and singularly, and just Him alone, now the body of Christ, all members of the body of Christ, have the opportunity to walk around doing the works of Jesus, walking around as Jesus did, fulfilling the mandate, fulfilling the work of God with power and with the anointing. So no longer is it just Jesus walking on the earth, but it's the body of Christ filled with the same spirit that Jesus had walking around the earth. And that is an advantage. That is advantageous. The comforter was sent to be poured out on all flesh. You remember in the Old Testament, the scripture said that, that, and teaches that there were only certain individuals that had the Holy Ghost. Not everyone had the Holy Ghost. Actually, Israel was spiritually dead. They were not born again. They were still, their hearts and their nature had not been changed yet. And so they would perform and offer sacrifices of worship in the flesh by direction of the law, but it was not in the spirit. It was not in the spirit. And if anyone needed direction or guidance, they would have to go to the prophet for guidance. But that guidance was not on the inside of them. They didn't have the Holy Ghost within them. See, but those that were specifically anointed by the Holy Ghost were either the prophet, the priest, or the king. And see, that was the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And when we come over to the New Covenant, however... God's plan is that everyone be filled. God's plan is that everyone be led for themselves. God's plan is that everybody get into their God-ordained place and operate in that place by His grace. And so, when Jesus talks about the advantage, how it's important, it's necessary, and He said, I'm telling you the truth, that I go away because the Comforter will not come if I don't go. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I will send him unto you. Now, remember what Jesus said back here in John chapter 14 and verse 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Notice the phrase that he noticed that last statement. He said, because I go unto my father. 
See, when Jesus left to go to the Father, and because he left, he left so that the Holy Ghost could come. And the greater works are now possible, not just the same works that Jesus did, but greater works, Jesus said, shall you do because of this, because I go into my Father, because the Holy Ghost has come, in other words. And so see, talking about the advantage, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that the Comforter can come. See, and so believers need to see it the way God sees it. They need to, they need to receive and recognize what Jesus is saying. Jesus is still actively involved with his church. He is interceding at the right hand of God for us. He is fulfilling his ministry. He has a ministry. And part of his ministry is to get his church filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire, according to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. But see, we need to recognize what Jesus is saying and then act upon what he is saying and submit ourselves under what he is saying. Because Jesus said it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage to receive the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Now, John chapter 14, verse 16 says, I will pray the Father, he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That he may abide or stay or remain with you forever. Glory be to God. I don't know about you, that gets me excited. He's not here t- today and gone tomorrow. He's not here on the good days, but gone when you're having bad days. He's not here just when you're doing good, but then when you mess up or slip up, then he's gone. No, he's here with us, abiding with us forever. People think that the Holy Ghost brings conviction and and condemnation to their life whenever they mess up. They think that it's the Holy Ghost that's condemning them when they sin and mess up. And it's true that believers do sin and mess up. But it's not the Holy Ghost that's bringing that conviction. No, he convicts the world of their need of righteousness and of of, of their need of Jesus. Now, I got scripture to back up what I'm saying. Let me teach you this. John chapter 16, look at the 8th verse. He said here, Jesus said here, and when he is come, he being the comforter, just like we read about in verse 7 earlier, a little while earlier, when he is come, he will reprove the world. Now that word reprove there literally means convict. That's a footnote in my Bible there. It means convict. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now notice he didn't say one thing about convicting the church. He didn't say one thing about convicting the church. No, he said here, I will convict or reprove, or he will convict, reprove the world. What's he going to convict them of? Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Verse 9, of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged, that being the devil. 
So notice, didn't say one thing there about the Holy Ghost being a convictor of the church. He's not convicting the church according to the scripture. Now, let me look at another scripture. Let me show you another scripture to prove what I'm saying to you. Because a lot of times people think that it's the Lord that's convicting them and condemning them. Beating on them for making mistakes. Beating on them for, for falling and slipping. But look at 1 John at, and look at the third verse. Look at the 19th verse. The third chapter, the 19th verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. And hereby we know, I like that, don't you? We know, that's a confident faith word. That is a, a word of full persuasion. We know. You know, faith knows, doesn't it? Faith knows. It's not questioning. It's not wondering. It knows. And we can have a knowing in ourselves, in our hearts, concerning the things of God. Because we are in faith towards God. We're operating in the faith of God. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him, him being God. Verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, notice God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. Didn't say there that God was condemning us, did it? It said our heart condemns us. Well, why would our heart condemn us? Well, our heart condemns us when we sin because we of our nature. Our nature has been changed. Our heart has been changed. The scripture said, uh, the prophet said in um, Ezekiel that he would take out the stony heart that is of our f- flesh and give us a heart of flesh. No longer our heart being stony and hard, but now our heart being tender towards God. Not only that, we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So our heart, our nature has been changed. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. Galatians 5, 22 talks about the fruits of our spirit, the fruit of God that's growing off of our spirit because we've been changed. And so when we sin, when we make mistakes, our heart condemns us. Why? Because our heart is not in agreement with the actions of our flesh. Our heart doesn't want to sin. Our heart doesn't want... If you're born again, if you're a child of God, then you don't want to sin. And then somebody said, well, no, I do feel like sinning. I do want to sin. No, your flesh wants to sin. Yeah, you'll have those feelings. Your, your body has not been changed. Your body is still death doomed. It's mortal. And that's why the scripture says you're supposed to keep under your body. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I keep under my body. I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection. So our body wants to sin, but our heart doesn't. And it's, it condemns us whenever we do sin. It condemns us whenever we mis- make a mistake. And... It's not God, according to the scripture that we just read, that's condemning us. He says that he is greater than our heart. I want you to notice that statement. God is greater than our heart. You know, I remember one time when I had made a mistake. I had messed up on something. And this was years ago. And I was feeling really bad about it. I was 
convicted. I was actually trying to fall asleep one night and I just couldn't fall asleep because I was feeling so condemned and so ashamed. And I saw the distinction between what God was doing and what the Holy Ghost was trying to do in me and what my heart was doing. My heart was condemning me for I knew it was wrong. And that's a good thing. If your conscience is clear and you're tender before God, then your heart will condemn you. And that's a good thing. You don't want a seared conscience. Your conscience must be tender before God. If you have a seared conscience, then you've become callous because you've allowed yourself to continue in wrong behavior. But anyways, I was just feeling so condemned and so ashamed. And I noticed when I was sitting there that the Holy Ghost began to bring his comfort that night. He began to comfort me with the word and began to comfort me with his, with his presence and to say, it's okay, get up, you can do this. And you know, I saw the distinction right there because I was being sensitive to what the Lord was doing, that it's the Holy Ghost that's my comforter, not my condemner. He is the convictor to the world, like we saw, but he is the comforter to the church. And so see, if our hearts condemn us, verse 20, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. And he knoweth all things. He knows all things. Glory be to God. And so jumping back to the scripture that we were in, in John chapter, um, we were looking at the 16th chapter and we looked at the eighth verse. It says that he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But see, the church is not in condemnation. The church is not under condemnation. In fact, Jesus or Paul said to the church in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation in them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But notice that the Holy Ghost will bring a conviction to the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Well, when does he convict them? He convicts and he reproves through the message that comes forth. When we're preaching and teaching the word of God, when we're telling the good news, when we're telling the message, the conviction of the Holy Ghost will come on the world, will come on the backslider, will come on the sinner to call them to repentance, to call them to come into the light, to call them to change, to call them to to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And see, that's the conviction of the world. Now, I have told people when I've ministered to them, I've ministered to some of the the uh, darkest dogs healing uh, heathens that you ever could know. And I was ministering to one individual one time, and I was just giving him the word, just giving him the scripture. And as I did, I told him, I said, now you'll notice that the conviction of the Holy Ghost is on you right now, and you know that this is for you. I said, right? And he said, yep, I can tell that. I, I, yeah, that's exactly right. I did, and, and he acknowledged it right there, right where I was talking to him. And you know, talking to people about the Lord, you don't have to persuade them. You just have to tell them and give the word. Preach the word. And it's important to know the word so you can give the word. Because you can debate with people all day long, but when you give them the word, you're giving them the anointing. The word is anointed and it shall bring the conviction of the Holy Ghost onto people's lives. And the Holy Ghost can work with that word. But see, the Holy Ghost is not convicting the church. He is 
bringing comfort to the church. He abides with us forever. Look at John 14 and 16 again. The Comforter will be sent from the Father, and it has been sent from the Father. Another Comforter, one just like me, Jesus said, that he may abide with you forever. Notice that he is has been called to abide with us forever. He's not going to leave on your worst day. He doesn't leave on your lowest day or in the lowest moments of your life. No, he's there. And you just need to be aware of his presence in your life. Draw from within his presence. Draw up from within the wonderful things of God. And don't be condemned any longer. Now, notice Jesus said in verse 17, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, shall be in you. And we know that the Holy Ghost has come to live within us in the and that he is we our nature has been changed the spirit of God dwells within us but also Jesus said that he can come upon you and should be upon you in this hour receive power from on high like Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says you shall receive power after that the holy ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me so the Holy Ghost is a gift to the church, isn't he? He's a gift to the church. Jesus Christ is the gift to the world. The Holy Ghost is the gift to the church. And he's a comforter. He's a comforter to the church. He's a comforter in the life of every single believer. He's the comforter that will abide with you forever. The Holy Ghost came upon Jesus and must come upon his church. You know, Jesus had to be anointed by the Spirit of God. Jesus had to go be anointed by the Holy Ghost in order to do anything that he did. To do, perform the miracles, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. It all had to be done through the anointing. Look back at your Bibles in Luke chapter 4. Look at the 16th verse and it came to and he came to Nazareth he being Jesus where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it is written the spirit of the lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the broken hearted to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to notice that Jesus is reading from the prophet Isaiah concerning himself. We know this to be true. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. So some would be some would question, or some make the assumption that Jesus did everything that he did solely because he's the son of God. He did it out of his divine nature of who he is. And yes, Jesus is the son of God and he did not cease to be the son of God just because he came to the earth. But the scripture teaches in Philippians chapter two, verse five, that he set aside his power and glory, took on the form of a servant. He laid aside all of it. And so Jesus did not 
heal anybody or raise the dead or cast out devils or do any wonderful work that he did solely because he was the son of God. No, he did what he did because he was anointed and led by the spirit of God. And he had received the anointing to do what he did. And you notice, well, before I say this, turn back over in your Bibles. You're in uh, Luke chapter 4. Look back at Luke chapter 3 and look at the 21st verse. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. So Jesus came and he was baptized. And notice when he came up out of the water, the heaven was open. And verse 22 said, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Notice, upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son. In thee I am well pleased. Notice the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove. Didn't say it was a dove, but it said like a dove. If you've ever seen a dove fall, then you know what this is talking about. And it notice that it came upon Jesus. Notice he came upon Jesus. And the Father was there uh, pronouncing his blessing, saying, I am well pleased in him and in this. Now, there are many other scriptures. You can go back and look at Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, John chapter 1, and look at the accounts. You find that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Ghost came upon him. But now, Jesus, being the Son of God, if he had performed the miracles that he did solely because he was the Son of God, then why didn't he? Why wasn't he healing and delivering before he got baptized with the Holy Ghost? See, we don't see Jesus ever. We don't have an account of Jesus healing anybody, raising any dead, casting out any devils before the age of 30 and before this account where he got baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Ghost came upon him. We don't see Jesus performing one miracle. We don't see him even, we don't see him doing what he did until he was baptized, until he received the Holy Ghost. See, see Jesus, Jesus was just as much the son of God at age 29 as he was 30, but he didn't heal anybody when he was 29, did he? He was just the much, the son of, much the Son of God at 28, 27, 26, 25, and so on and so forth, all the way down. He was the Son of God. In fact, the Scripture talks about him being a young man and going to the temple with his parents. At age 13, he would have become a man. But see, he was the Son of God, but he didn't perform any miracles. He didn't heal any sick. No, he, none of that took place until this moment in time when he received the Holy Ghost upon him. Notice this. Notice the phrase, upon him. Upon him. So now see, if Jesus had to be anointed by the Spirit of God to do what he did, so must we be anointed. How much more does his church need to be anointed to do the works, to do the wonderful things of God? So many people are out there trying to do their own work, trying to do the work of God without the help of the Holy Ghost who will empower them. But if Jesus had to be anointed, so must the church be anointed. And Jesus said, I will send him unto you.
I will send him unto you. I will send him unto you from the Father. Glory be to God. And so we should be thanking God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've had talked to people that have said that it's not for everybody. But how can you tell me that? And how can you base that? What are you basing that on? Because the scripture never once said that it's for one person and not for another person. It never once says in the Bible that the Holy Ghost was poured out on only some people that wanted him, but not others. No. No, the Holy Ghost is poured out on those who want him. Believers who desire. Believers who want more of God. There's a scripture in the Bible in uh, Acts chapter 2. Look at the 38th verse. Peter was teaching, or preaching, and he's preaching along and he says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Or let me back up to the 37th verse. He's preaching along, and then the people in the crowd say unto him, Well, they said, Now they heard this, and they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They asked. And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God should call. Notice, there was no distinction made that this is for some people and not for others. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So that idea that it's for some people and not for others is not so. No, it's for those that come in, those that repent and receive and are baptized in the name of the Lord and receive Jesus, they qualify for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And notice that Peter called it a gift here in verse 38. He said, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, we're talking about how the Holy Ghost is a gift to the church. They shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guys, I trust that you are blessed here. And remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook and on YouTube. You can continue to get updates and um, information about what is going on in the ministry, the places that we're going to, the meetings that we're um, hosting and everything like that. And thank you to all my partners who continually pray and sow and give into the ministry. I'm so grateful for you and for what your part is in this. And thank God that we have uh, wonderful partners that are faithful to do uh, their part. And remember that God is moving mightily. Remember to stay full of the Holy Ghost and get ready to be used of God because this thing is wrapping up really soon. All right, we'll see you next time.